0: Hello lovely listeners, this is Sophia McKenzie coming at you from Sun Chase Apartments on a very snowy and slushy Super Bowl Sunday. The time is two thirty, and it is February 13th, the day before Valentine's Day. Take that as you will. Today we will be discussing creativity in synesthesia, biology, and medicine. We all, we hope you all enjoy and get a kick with a point or two out of this. So McKenzie, would you be able to explain to our listeners what exactly synesthesia is?
1: Sure. So synesthesia is a perceptual phenomenon in which the stimulation of one sensory or cognitive pathway leads to the involuntary experience of another sensory or
0: cognitive pathway. So given your research on synesthesia, do you think that there is an association between synesthesia and creativity? So to answer your question, yes and no, while most synesthetes are creatives,
1: being a synesthete doesn't make you creative and being creative doesn't mean that you're a synesthete. Now, this kind of taps into the nature versus nurture argument, whether or not synesthetes have that natural tendency to be creative or if synesthetes foster or have an environment that encourages them to be creative. Um, I think the answer is both. Most well-known synesthetes are creative, like John Mayer, Vincent Van Gogh, Duke Ellington, et cetera. But in the novel, A Mango-Shaped Space by Wendy Mass, um, a book that I've read recently, the main character, Mia, is a synesthete, and she's grown up in a very unique and creative environment that she has fostered herself. Is that something innate? Is it something innate or due to external factors? Is it impo- it's impossible to answer this question with complete accuracy. So we'll stick to the simple answer with it's complicated.
0: That's really cool. What are some examples of synesthesia?
1: So, a couple examples of synesthesia, like a simple way to explain um, this perceptual phenomenon is. For example, if you saw a specific color, you could hear a sound associated with that. So, like, if I saw the color red, I may, I may hear, like, a trumpet sound or something like that. Or if I, I would taste, like, a specific taste in my mouth if I heard a sound or saw a specific color or a person or something like that. So, it's basically, like, a mixing of the senses. So, the if you, like, dissect the word, sin means... <laughs> oh goodness um what is it sin means I literally just presented on this I literally have it in my
0: it's oh wait that's a good question now I know right
1: I know that too sin means together oh my goodness like synthesis I, I don't know why that just a lot left to my brain, but sin means together oh. and aesthesis or the ending of the word means perception. So just perceptions that are mushed together, two senses combined um, not into one, but like you experience one and then another one follows. Um, so those are a few examples of synesthesia.
0: That's really interesting. Um, what are and like who are some individuals that have synesthesia that we may know? So a few examples of individuals that are very well
1: known that um, have synesthesia are Billy Joel, John Mayer, Pharrell Williams. I also heard, this is just hearsay, but I heard that Kanye West might be a synesthete. Um, Duke Ellington was also a synesthete and he noted that like he heard sounds to colors as music notes. So like the sounds of notes that he heard varied based on like who was performing them. Um he also heard textured and colored sounds. So that would mean like the letter D was dark blue and like a burlap texture. So like if your name was like started with a D or something, he might associate the color blue and like the texture burlap um, with you or something like that. Um, and then George Tobias Ludwig Sachs, he was the first documented case of synesthesia. And Mary Calkins was the U S scientist who introduced the term synesthesia at the end of the 19th century. So those are just like a few important individuals, but those are the main, um, examples that we have of people who,
0: um, have synesthesia. And I didn't even know half of those people had it. That's pretty cool. Maybe that's why Kim divorced Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So now I'm going to turn it over to you and we can shift our discussion towards creativity in biology and medicine. Perfect. Okay, so since biology
1: and medicine are such broad topics, could you explain how they both create space to harbor creativity?
0: So it's pretty similar but different. So in biology, it's the ability to be able to apply known and previously studied biological processes and theories in order to explore more complex ideas. So it's taking concepts you're learning in your classroom, in your textbooks, and using them within the labs to explore different ideas and possible conclusions that you want to come to, whereas in medicine is the ability to apply learned knowledge of how the body works and functions in order to further explore under-researched ideas and create more complex treatment plans and unique diagnoses, because let's be real, everyone's bodies are extremely different, and you have to be able to take those differences and properly fit them to the proper treatment. That's
1: so awesome. I love that. Um, So do you happen to recognize any patterns and individuals choices of creative outlets within their professions and these disciplines?
0: For sure. Um, Being a STEM major, I've been able to meet different people across different disciplines. So personally within my my major, I found that my biology professor seems to really enjoy nature as the creative outlet since they really admire all the beauty and they seem to really like, like taking photos of trees and explaining what they see in them and different plants, which is very interesting. And then kind of in conclusion with that is like the chemistry professors, they really enjoy baking and cooking. I actually had some professors who really liked like making their own breads and beers, which is very interesting, but I guess it's the chemistry behind it. Um, and then on the other hand, within medicine, I have found that orthopedic surgeons enjoy more hands-on building tasks. I actually met an orthopedic doctor before who was a football player in college. So I guess he was a little bit more aggressive. And if you saw them in the OR, you'd probably agree with that statement. Um, And then plastic surgeons seems to use like art as a creative outlets. I mean, they see the body as an art form and it really takes a lot of work to be able to create something with that too.
1: No, that's so cool. I really enjoyed listening about that. Um, And then since biology and medicine are deeply studied, how can someone take risks to be more creative within the field?
0: So understandably, biology and medicine are both very much in textbooks and studies. So harboring creativity can be a bit difficult when there are so many guidelines and stipulations to things you can and cannot do. However, some of the best ways to do so are to just think outside the box think outside what you know, Um, try new approaches and explore the unknown. Those two kind of go together because you need to be able to take a completely different path when you're doing something and not just what you think is right. And then reevaluating concepts. Sometimes steps one through five just need to be resorted and put back together and not everything goes with the way you want it to. So. No, that's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. So that wraps it up for our discussion on creativity within synesthesia, biology, and medicine. Now we're going to pass this over to Mr. Joe Burrow, who will hopefully end the night with a great win. Bye. And thanks for listening. Bye guys.